This is Andre Taylor, and you're listening to Excellence. In this podcast, we explore the way to excellence for those in business, committed to their professions, and organizations where premier-level distinction matters. If that's you, you're in the right place. I'm a best-selling author and entrepreneur for most of my life, a management consultant, a popular keynote speaker, a television contributor, but most important, I'm a person passionate about helping businesses and the people who lead them and work in them grow. You know, growth is not just about popularity or even financial rewards, but it's about quality, skill, and top performance. Ultimately, that is what will enable you to sustain clients, to build stature, to build profitability in a world where you really must separate yourself from the pack. I call this podcast excellence because this is a subject that I don't believe we talk enough about today. It's wonderful that there are so many motivational messages all around. We talk about finding our purpose and discovering our passion, focusing on our dreams and being persistent. We talk about work ethic and determination, branding and many great things. But in more than 37 years advising and growing businesses and working with top performers, I can tell you that excellence is required. Yes, you should define your goals. Yes, you should act. Yes, you should not wait until all is perfect to move toward achieving your goals. But to achieve the highest level objectives, you'll have to demonstrate excellence. Now, excellence is particularly important if you're engaged in a business where clients are demanding and superior deliverables are vital to your success. In these businesses, confidence and trust and integrity are really key. Many of my followers are considered the best, maybe you, and the best in their fields and operate in industries such as financial services, luxury, high-end products and services, premier organizations. And of course, in these fields, excellence matters. In this episode, I want to pose a question and explore an idea. What does modern excellence look like? You're probably saying, Andre, what do you mean by modern excellence? Well, let me explain. The world is moving really fast. New technology is emerging every month. Uh, More accurately, you might say every day. And as we adopt new technology, new ways of working, new ways of interacting, some practices and norms are going to change. Now, much has changed in our lives, some things quite rapidly. And the more perceptive you are, the more this will be apparent to you. But one thing does not change, and that is long-term success goes to the excellent. So what does being excellent mean? What are our standards? What are your standards? How do we measure excellence? Do we use your version of excellence or mine? Do we use someone else's view of excellence? One more question. Are we compromising excellence in exchange for a level of alignment with others or perhaps visibility and easy advancement, you know, popularity. And how do we maintain our standards of excellence and our reality of excellence while availing ourselves of the fast-moving developments and tools and new norms of our society? Well, when I come back, we're going to talk more about modern excellence and what it is. This is Andre Taylor, and you're listening to the podcast, Excellence. You're listening to Andre Taylor, and we're talking about modern excellence, what it is, how you can rise to be excellent, 
how to be known as excellent and have all the rewards that come with excellence. Now, if you were born in the 80s or 90s or more recently than that, this might be a question that you don't relate to or even care about. Your metrics might be quite different. Um, but we're living in a world where a lot of factors converge. You know, digital technology is an enabler. We're in the selfie era, meaning we can drive greater awareness, connection, engagement using digital technology, mobile phones, apps, and all these tools that are built in. Multi-generations are interacting. They're working together. They're doing business together. And I'm seeing firsthand how old values and new culture collide. Over the course of a year, I'll interact with young audiences, older audiences, and the differences in expectations and perceptions can be startling. It occurred to me, uh, while looking at some of this, that this question was worth asking. You know, what is modern excellence? You know, for example, I was having a conversation with someone in the music business, an industry that has seen dramatic change in my lifetime, and certainly in the last 10 years. And speaking of music as an aside, I was amused but also understood the wisdom in a comment made by the legendary producer Quincy Jones. A reporter asked him at an awards show what he thought of the state of the music business. And he said, there ain't no music business, baby. <laughs> and this is perhaps an overstatement, but what he was saying is that the business has changed so dramatically that all business models have given way to a new view amongst artists and those entering the business that fast fame and money is the main objective rather than discovering, cultivating, nurturing unique musical talent. And in some cases, there's a question about artists having the basic skills and competence to even be in the entertainment industry. I see this in my profession a lot, where someone wants to be an entrepreneur, they want to advise businesses, they want to write books, they want to speak to audiences. Uh, they want to do all these things that they perceive as glamorous, but will miss the most important part and that's that you have to have something of excellence to share. Not long ago, I was uh, uh, having an exchange with a fellow who had bought a personal branding program from us. And after going through the material, he concluded he was so far away from being able to honestly present himself as a unique and qualified person with credibility that he, that he abandoned the idea. And, and this is interesting because no one I know who is excellent begins that way. No person, no company, no product is typically excellent out of the gate. Refinements, improvements, and outright reworking is often required to be a player in the game. But people who are serious about excellence get busy with that work. So that's what we're exploring today. What is involved in modern excellence? And when I come back, we're going to talk some more about what modern excellence is and how you can rise to excellence and take advantage of that to, uh, to move up in your field. We'll be right back. This is Andre Taylor, and we're talking about modern excellence. The question I've posed during this podcast is, what is modern excellence? And I should say that the term modern excellence, as I'm using, is a bit of a misnomer because there is no old excellence or even modern excellence uh, if we look at it carefully, think about it carefully, there's only ideas of excellence that are held in our minds. Excellence is subjective, and what one person thinks is excellent may not be what others believe to be excellent. But there are standards, there are trends, there are thresholds that we use to define excellence 
in whatever category we're discussing, these levels change, uh, and they often change based on someone modifying what was common and creating a new standard. And when we chip away at what was thought to be a high standard, this is when we run into questions about whether we're better than what came before or just new. Getting back to the arts for a moment, I'm a jazz fan, and I love what jazz musician uh, Wynton Marcellus did when he came onto the scene in the 1980s. He's a young trumpeter. He was a young trumpeter from New Orleans and a member of a really well-respected family of musicians. And he challenged the idea of modern excellence in jazz that did not demonstrate extraordinary musicianship and wasn't rooted in jazz tradition. He challenged musicians and the world to live up to to standards of the uh, the, the classic uh, jazz masters, many of them unknown. And and this is an important point that could easily be missed. I mean, he was criticized for this, in fact. But, you know, he helped the public and the jazz community believe in what was already there, to respect it, to use it, to create new appreciation for jazz at a time where the music had been left for dead by the public and many within the industry, believe it or not. Uh, he said, look, this is not dead. Let's value it. Let's explore it. Let's work it. Let's expose it to others. And in my city, New York, he helped spearhead the organization Jazz at Lincoln Center and the enthusiasm uh, you know, he whipped up for the music you know, resulted in a beautiful new home for the organization in the center of the city, uh, multiple performance spaces, a nightclub. Um, you know, he did an educational initiative, a lot to promote jazz as excellent. And I think the Jazz at Lincoln Center example is interesting because despite its nonprofit positioning or conservatory positioning or arts education positioning, it's a business. You know, it has to attract patrons and donors and sponsors and underwriters. Uh, someone had to say this is excellent and begin selling it as excellent. So my view is that modern excellence uh, and appreciation of excellence right now uh, cannot exist without putting what is modern into context. What is excellent today is excellent because it's an improvement over yesterday or it's grounded in what was established yesterday. So you have to have some connection to yesterday, I believe, in order to have credibility in excellence today. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about modern excellence. This is Andre Taylor, and we're talking about modern excellence. We're asking the question, what is modern excellence? And we were just talking about the idea of the old being connected to the new and that being a key component in being able to say that something is excellent today. I was recently rereading a Wall Street Journal magazine profile called King of Italy Inside the Armani Empire. And the article looked in depth at the Armani way. The author wrote, call Giorgio Armani a genius or a control freak he single-handedly built a billion-dollar brand by doing this his way. Of course, it's much bigger than billion dollars now. Here's what I gleaned from the article. The Italian designer revolutionized the way professional women dress by taking them out of floral skirts and putting them into chic, deconstructed pantsuits in neutral colors. Armani was a window dresser. Many people might not know that, but he was a window dresser and buyer for a Milan department store who 
he says he was awakened to a bigger life by a romantic interest uh, with whom he started a business at age 40. His focus has been, uh, and always has been, uh, simplicity. You know, how to give consumers, starting with women, a high-end look that could be purchased for work and play. The Omani name and design philosophy was heavily promoted to help consumers and the design world understand uh, his definition of excellence, which uh, is rooted in simplicity. Now, it was the retail of Barney's New York that provided the turning point for Armani by placing a large order and launching a major ad campaign about his clothes, increasing awareness and visibility, and later leading Armani to be recognized by Hollywood and given the opportunity to design wardrobe for the Richard Gere character in the breakout film American Gigolo. And in a series of moves, Armani redefined and ultimately symbolized excellence becoming known for sleek design across his clothing and many other products. But what made Armani's name was his modern approach that put consumers in clothes that were high design, but they were wearable day to day. Until Armani, there was a wide gulf between high-concept runway design and not-so-high-concept wearable designs. I think we're at another high-concept point, and, and this time driven by technology. You know, in the business world, we've become so captivated by technology that we've lost much of the day-to-day -day significance of connecting with people without technology. And I think this is a key challenge, particularly in retail. Everyone is concerned about how buyers go online to make purchases, but the one thing that a website or an app cannot do is duplicate the emotion and the attention that can be given by a human being during a transaction. I recently uh, went to an upscale mall, and I walked through in the middle of the day, and I found no one there. Every retailer had signs about markdowns and discounts and special offers, which is not a strategy. And the people working in the stores were noticeably bored, hanging out behind counters, talking with each other, and they made no effort to connect with potential customers who were going by like me. And this is a problem with many businesses today. They've lost touch with what they're trying to accomplish. The goal is to get people to buy, um, and it's, you can't do that by ignoring people. When we come back, I'm going to summarize some takeaways for you on modern excellence and give you some thoughts on what you can do to practice modern excellence in your own work. We'll be right back. We've been talking about modern excellence, what it is, how to understand it, and how you can apply it in your own work. And I want to give you some takeaways to consider uh, relative to this idea of modern excellence. Number one, excellence is required, but excellence is subjective. So you and anyone paying attention to whatever you're doing is going to measure you by some standard. You're going to do it for yourself and others are going to do it even if you don't realize it. Number two, excellence will often be compared by what used to be. So be prepared to help others understand whether your work is grounded in the principles of what used to be or an improvement over what used to be. Three, if you don't hit certain basic levels of competence and the expectations in your profession or business, you'll never be considered excellent unless you can somehow describe that you know, excellence has been redefined. And that's number four. You become excellent um, by teaching others what to look for, what to listen for, 
what to pay attention. People who are excellent know how to do that. Um, they know why what they're experiencing or sharing is excellence, and you must be able to sell it. Finally, the excellence business is the people business. You can use technology as an enabler. It can make you more efficient. It can make you more organized. It can make you look a certain way, but it's not the whole game. Excellence is about people connecting with people, being competent with people, being competent in what you do, and being advanced in what you do, so that people can see that you are performing at a higher standard, that you do things at a higher standard. I hope you found these ideas helpful. That's it for excellence. And I hope you join me next time for more. This is Andre Taylor.